Uh, man, it is so wonderful to gather together as a church family this morning to celebrate Christmas, and, uh, and I hope that you have a great day planned of just uh, gathering together with loved ones or, and worshiping, and ultimately it's about worshiping the Lord because it is His day, amen? Today we have come to celebrate the coming of our Savior and Lord, which is the good news of the world, and, uh, and so this is a wonderful uh, time the kids are off of school for a couple weeks, which means that we are trying to find stuff for them to do besides looking at their phones or their iPads or the TV, right? Get out and do something. Play in the backyard. Uh, get out and run around. Uh, something creative. I came across a, a video of a person who, uh, I don't know, this is a young person. I don't, I don't really know any background information. And so I don't know if this is how she spent her Christmas break or if this was leading up to Christmas. But uh, she put together this huge domino maze. And, uh, and I'll show you this. Have you ever seen this where you stack up the dominoes and then you tip over the first one and they just go all the way around and knock them all down? And uh, that ought to be one of the best ones. I've seen. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many thousands of dominoes are here, but this had to have taken her hours, if not weeks and months, right? And there had to be a plan because eventually it's going to spell out Merry Christmas. And so when I watch this, uh, I, man, because I've done this where you, you, you slip your finger a little bit and then it begins to go before you really wanted it to go and you're like oh shoot you gotta start all over again well evidently at least on the video they don't show her messing up she's able to set this all up and the second thing i think of when i see a, a video like this is either they have a very big house or their parents are very generous with their living room right because <laughs> this takes a lot of space okay it's about to the best part it's going to come and it knocks down the Merry Christmas message. And uh, comes around, and then it's going to circle back around. Come to, uh, and now you got good ideas for your next two weeks, right? This is what you're going to get a whole bunch of red and green dominoes. And uh, at this point, you better spell out Happy New Year. Uh, but uh, I, I thought that was pretty impressive. And I share that with you not, to give you, not just to give you ideas of what you can put your kids to for the next couple weeks, but I share that with you because I actually think there's parallels with the domino setup knockdown thing and the actual Christmas story. Here's, here's a couple of the parallels I see. One is that they both take a tremendous amount of planning. Now, you have to plan out the dominoes, but believe me, when it comes to the coming of Jesus, it is part of a huge plan, a plan that was set in place from the very first pages of Scripture. And Jesus comes very deliberately at just the right time. It's a part of God's plan. A second thing uh, that I see here is the dominoes are all set up. It takes weeks, if not months, to set up. And then the video is a minute and a half long. It's over so very quick. And in the same way, 
this grand plan that God has had comes in the person of Jesus who lives in the whole scheme of things a very short life. And he uh, lives ultimately for an even shorter moment of time, that is his death on the cross. Just like the dominoes uh, are set up to be knocked down, Jesus comes to be knocked down, to die on the cross. And so we want to talk about that. But the third thing that comes to mind is, when I watch that, I have to admit, I want to ask the question, is it worth it? You know, it's a, it's a lot of work just to be over in just a, a, a moment. And I wonder, when we think of Jesus coming to this earth, is it worth it? Was it worth it? The God of glory, the one who existed for all eternity, had all, all the power just in the, on the tip of his tongue. He could speak uh, worlds into being who lived in the glory of, the, of God and the angels to come to be born as a baby, to die a horrible death, the death of a criminal on a cross. Is it worth it? Those are the things that I want to talk about this morning because actually those are the things that come out to us from the passage that we're looking at this morning. Tonight we're, uh, today we are looking at Isaiah 53, verses 10 through 12. And we've been going through Isaiah 53 during the Advent season as we lead up to today. And, uh, and so as we uh, jump into chapter uh, 53, verse 10, we're jumping into the middle of it. And so I'll admit these first words that come in verse 10 are quite shocking. In fact, if we are not familiar with the Christmas story and really familiar who, with, who Jesus is, we, we have to wrestle with these words. They, they, they almost uh, catch us off guard, knock us back a little bit. In fact, maybe that fits because the sermon series we've been going through is called Surprise, Surprise, and perhaps these words come as a bit of surprise. We're in Isaiah 53, verses 10 through 12. Yet it was the Lord's will. I just think that's, that's kind of shocking. It is the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of light and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Let's go before the Lord and ask his help as we dig into this, these verses. Father God, we come before you uh, this morning, and our hearts are just filled with so much joy and gratitude, because today is Christmas, and we thank you for all the wonderful things that come along with Christmas, family and gifts and, uh, and songs on the radio and all of these things. But now, God, we ask that you would focus our minds and help us to remember what Christmas is really about, and that it is about your Son, Jesus, and the gift of salvation that he has come to offer to us. And so we pray that you would open up these verses and help us to see not just words on a page or on a screen, 
Help us to see words of life. Because that's what they are, God. God, I pray that if there is anyone here that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray that today they might receive you into their hearts and have their lives, have their, have their life changed forever. And so we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Christmas is a part of God's good plan. Did you know that? Christmas is a part of God's good plan. God has a plan for your life. You need to believe that. You need to know that deep down inside. God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for his whole creation, the, the world that he has made. And, when this, and in these verses, we read that Jesus' coming is a part of God's plan. In fact, the New Living Translation uses those exact words uh, for verse 10. It says, but it was the Lord's good plan. It was the Lord's good plan. And then it goes on to say, to crush him and to fill him with grief. And at the, end of the ver- at the end of verse 10, it says something similar. And he will enjoy long life, and the Lord's plan will prosper. This morning we are talking about the Lord's good plan because we recognize that we need a plan. We need some s- sort of plan because this world is screwed up in many ways. Am I right? It's not, it, it's not hard to recognize that things are not the way that intuitively we know they should be. Every day we hear about an unjust war that is being uh, waged in Ukraine right now. And a couple weeks ago we had missionaries here that work for Zoe International that told about child trafficking that, that, that they're working with in, in Thailand. This world is not the way it's supposed to be. We need uh, the Lord to, to give us a good plan to set things right. And it's not just the, the news and the headlines. It's our own personal lives, right? Each of us, we have struggles. We have difficulties. And I think of a marriage that is on the rocks or, 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 or on the verge of divorce or even has ended in divorce this past year. And I recognize that that's hard. And I just want uh, to say that the, it breaks the Lord's heart as well. I think of a child who is bullied at school or abused at home, and it's not supposed to be this way, and God cares about that. I think of someone who is mistreated unfairly because of the color of their skin or because they don't have a certain knowledge or a certain ability. I think of those that struggle with anxiety or depression, or, or fears. They live in a sense, in a state of confusion because they don't know the significance or the value or the purpose of their lives. This world is a messed up place. We need the Lord to come with a good plan. We need the Lord to come in one way or another and set things right. You see, we know, in, uh, as I said, we know intuitively that this is not the way it's supposed to be. The, the picture that we get of the way it's supposed to be is laid out in the first couple pages of the Bible in the Garden of Eden. When God created the world, he created uh, Adam and Eve, and they live in perfect harmony and fellowship and love with one another and with their creator. That's the way it's supposed to be. But when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, that's when... Uh, confusion entered into the world. That's when the whole thing got messed up. And Adam and Eve's relationship was damaged one with another and 
with God Almighty. It wasn't destroyed forever, but it definitely was damaged. And so the Lord begins to, uh, he begins to help his creation because he loves them, even though that they have disobeyed uh, him and his command. And so right away in the beginning of the pages of Scripture, we see that an animal is killed to make garments, to make, uh, so that Adam and Eve could cover their nakedness. And throughout the Old Testament, we continue to see that blood is shed. There's uh, sacrifices of animals for the forgiveness of sins, but we know that the blood of bulls and goats would not last forever. It's a temporary fix. And so that is why Jesus comes to this earth, because he is, uh, he is once and for all the one that is able to pay the penalty for the stuff in this world that is messed up, what the Bible calls sin. And so Jesus came as a perfect, spotless lamb, so to speak. He lived a perfect life. He was born in a manger, and he never once sinned or, uh, or dishonored his heavenly Father. And then he goes to the cross. That's why he came. That's what this whole passage is about. It talks about Jesus' crucifixion. In verse 10, it says that Jesus came to be crushed, and it was God's will for him to suffer. And then again in verse 10, it says that Jesus made his life an offering for sin. Verse 11, and he says that he will bear the iniquities of all people. In verse 12, it says he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. This is the Lord's good plan. Christmas is a part of the Lord's good plan. Just so we recognize God's plan is not over. God's plan is working towards Jesus' second coming when all things will be made right and once and for all. And God's plan is being worked out in your life if you offer your life to the Lord and submit to His will, ask Him to come in. But Jesus came to suffer and die. That is God's good plan. That's his will. Now, I'll admit that that sounds, if we're not familiar with the story, that sounds terrible. In fact, I once talked with someone, and I was telling them about how Jesus came. He was God's son. He came to this earth. He lived a perfect life, and then he died on the cross. And he said, that's divine child abuse. And that's an interesting way of looking at it, something that's legitimate that we need to wrestle with. He said, why, why would a good father will for his son to be crushed? Let's think about that for a moment. Since it's worded as, uh, as a, 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 a good father, we as parents, those of us that are parents, know that there are times when we have to inflict pain, so to speak, Right? A better word is it for it is discipline. We have to punish our children uh, for their good because we want them to learn and to grow. But punishing your kids is no fun for anyone. It's definitely not fun for the kid that's getting punished, right? And it's not even fun for the parents. Uh, uh, just to let kids know, because I, I don't know if they always know that, it's not fun for the parents. Nobody wants to punish, but we do it ultimately for their good. When Jesus came to this earth, it was for the greater good. He took punishment from a holy and righteous God, not for, the diso not for his own disobedience, 
but for our disobedience. And this is why we call him a Savior. He's come to save us from our sins. On the night that Jesus was born, the angels proclaimed that Jesus came as a Savior. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. On Judgment Day, and FYI, there is a Judgment Day, one day we will stand before our Maker and we will give an account for our lives. And each of us uh, hope to have some ground to stand on on that Judgment Day. But I'll just let you know, I'm not planning on going before God based on my own good works. Because I know that if that is the case, I'm in deep trouble. Because a holy and righteous, before a holy and righteous God, uh, my righteousness is like filthy rags. That's the words the Bible uses. I, I would stand there in filthy rags, if not worse. I, I would be uh, in deep, deep trouble. Our only hope when we go before God is that Christ's righteousness is given to us. You see, when we look at the cross, we recognize that our sin, our disobedience, is placed on, on Jesus for, on our behalf, and, uh, and his righteousness, his sinlessness, his perfection is placed on us. So when we stand before God on Judgment Day, we are clothed in Christ's righteousness. And we don't stand uh, on our own righteousness. That is the good news of the gospel. It's a substitutionary atonement. Jesus stands in our place. That is what we see when we see Jesus hung on the cross. When I, see, when I think of Jesus hung on the cross with his arms open wide, I think of it like a symbolic. That when you open your arms wide, it's a it's a symbol of welcoming someone into, you, into your company, right? When my kids were young uh, and they started going to preschool, you only go to preschool like three or four hours when you first start going, right? And, uh, and we'd drop the kids off and then we'd leave usually with tears every morning, at least to begin with. And, uh, and, and, you'd, and you'd come back a few hours later and as soon as you'd see your kid, they'd act like they hadn't seen you in years. Daddy! And they'd go bonkers. They were so happy to see you. And so I would uh, get down on one knee so that uh, I'm on their level and I'd open my arms wide which was basically saying, come and run to me. And they'd come running as fast as their little legs would carry them, and they'd jump into my arms, and I'd wrap them in my arms, and I'd lift them up, and I'd whisper in your ear, oh, so good to see you. I love you so much. I'm so glad you're my son or my daughter. And I think when we see Jesus on the cross, it is an invitation to come running to him. And if we come running, it is his desire to wrap us in his care and to whisper in our ear, Oh, I love you so much. You are my son. You are my daughter. You see, when we think about it that way, the cross is not divine child abuse. It is actually divine child adoption. Jesus went to the cross so that we could be in his family. 
One of the early uh, theologians, Athanasius, who lived in the 4th century, said that the Son of Man became man so that men could become sons of God. You ever thought about it in that way? The Son of God, Jesus himself, became man, born as a little baby in a manger, to live a perfect life and to die on the cross so that men and women might become sons and daughters of God. That is what Christmas is all about. That is worth uh, celebrating. And so we come to the question that we asked at the beginning, and I think we've basically answered it already, but the question was, is it worth it? And verse 11 is the answer to that question. Verse 11 says, After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. That word satisfied basically is communicating it's worth it. Jesus uh, looks and he sees all that has been done, and there is nothing lacking. His heart is satisfied. He looks and he says, it was worth it. Have you ever uh, eaten a good meal and you you sit back and you're like completely satisfied, right? And hopefully you get to experience that today on Christmas. You eat a good meal and you have loved ones around the table and you think, it doesn't get any better than this. This is what life is all about. I think that Jesus, after he has suffered, he looks, he sits back and he looks around the table table, so to speak, and he sees all our loved, all his loved ones. And I think of so many of us that we're seated around that table because we've received Jesus as our Savior, and he looks back and, uh, and he sits back and he, sa- and he is satisfied because he is so happy that we are in his family. That is why he came to this earth, to bring that kind of satisfaction. A few years ago, Snickers ran an ad campaign called Snickers Satisfies. I don't know if they're still making those commercials, are they? Does anyone know? Snickers Satisfies. Do you remember that, though? They had uh, funny commercials with celebrities on it. The one I remember the best was with Betty White. I thought this was a hilarious uh, commercial. It ran during the Super Bowl, which is the only time you really pay attention to commercials. So I do remember this one. Betty White's playing a pickup game of football with her friends. And uh, this, is, this is the commercial. And uh, she's doing terrible. She's dropping every pass. She's getting pummeled or, uh, on every tackle. She can't do nothing. And the funniest part is she goes back to the huddle and trash talks all her teammates. And uh, she's really being obnoxious about it. And so one of her friends calls her over to the sideline and says, uh, hey, eat this. And she says, why? Because they're not you when you're hungry. And then she eats it and she turns into someone else. And uh, I think that there is, in a sense, a a truth there. We're not fully ourselves. We're not at our best when we're hungry. And spiritually speaking, we have a hunger as well. Spiritually speaking, there there is a longing. There's, There's actually a longing for the things that are represented in these candles. Each of us longs to love and to be loved, right? And we long to have joy and peace and hope in our lives. There, there is that longing. And in this passage, the longing is tied with the lights. 
it says that after he has suffered, he will see the light of life. These are the lights of life. Jesus has come to bring these things into our lives. Hope and peace and joy and love so that our hearts are satisfied. And we experience the satisfaction in our own lives when Jesus is at the center. When Jesus is the light of our lives, when Jesus comes and lights up the darkness in our hearts, a darkness that is caused by sin and the things that we have done against God, because we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When Jesus comes in and he is at the center of our lives, then he does fill us with love and joy and and peace and hope. And that, again, is what Christmas is all about. So let me take us back to the Christmas story one last time. On the night that Jesus was born, an angel appeared to the shepherds in the, in the fields as they were watching their sheep. And that angel proclaimed that on that night there would be a baby born in Bethlehem who would be the Savior of the world. And that baby was to be born in a manger in the town of David in Bethlehem. And then after that single angel appeared to the shepherds, which would have been glorious enough in itself, the whole sky lights up with glorious angels. And they sing gloriously about the glory of God. They sing glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And then the angels uh, 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 go back into heaven and the shepherds say the exact same thing that we would say. What are we still doing here? Let's go find this baby. And so they race back into the, into the town. And I imagine that they begin to knock on barn doors. Because surely there's more, more than one manger in Bethlehem. Again, I'm reading into the story. The Bible doesn't give us all of this. But after door number one, maybe they hear a cow behind it. After door number two, a horse. And then finally Joseph said, yeah, we're in here. And so they make their way in, and Mary is seated there beside a new little baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, the shepherds are surely hard, rough guys. They've spent their, uh, the, the years in the fields and the elements taking care of uh, stubborn sheep. And, uh, but I imagine that in that moment, each of them has a l- little bit of tenderness as they hold the child and look into his perfect little faith, face. Now, we don't have a lot of details on that Christmas night, about that Christmas night, but the one thing that the Bible finds fitting for us to know is their response. The Bible tells us what Mary's response is, and the Bible tells us what the shepherd's response is in Luke chapter 2. It says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, just as they had been told. Now again, we're not given all the details about what happened then, but we see Mary's response that she treasured the things, that were, the things that were said and done towards Jesus. She treasured Jesus himself. We see the shepherd's response. 
response, that they glorify and praise Jesus. And this morning on Christmas morning, I recognize that I don't know a lot of details about your life. I don't know all the joys and the blessings in your life, and I don't know all the pain and the sorrows in your life, but I do know one who does know those things. I know one that, uh, I know that Jesus knows exactly what is going on in your life, and he has a good plan for your life. In fact, Jesus cares so much that he sent his one and only son to this earth to die on the cross so that that fellowship, that intimacy, that, uh, that relationship that you are meant to have with God can be restored once and through all for the forgiveness of your sins and the incoming of the Holy Spirit. And so what, is, what will be your response to Jesus? Will you treasure him in your heart as Mary did? Will you praise and glorify him as the shepherds did? Will you come running into his arm and feel his warm embrace and let him whisper in your ear, I love you. I love you so much. Jesus alone can satisfy. He can bring peace and hope and joy and love into your life and into your family when Jesus is at the center of your life. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. God, there very well may be someone here this morning that has not made that decision to make Jesus the center of their life. And God, I pray that you would tug at their heart and help them to know that there are longings in there that can only be satisfied when they commit their life to Christ. God, that's not some ancient truth of from yesteryear that we can just ignore any, uh, any longer. God, that's, that's the truth of the way that you have created us in your image. And God, I pray that someone would hear it this morning for the first time and ask you to come into his or her life. And God, for all of us who have received Jesus into our hearts already, God, I pray that we would be able to treasure it like Mary. God, I pray that we would praise and glorify you like the shepherds. I pray that today on this glorious Christmas day that you would fill our hearts with so much peace and joy and hope and love because you have come into our life. And we thank you for that. We give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.